Hello, and welcome to Afraid Not. I'm Jill McCormick. I'm Robin Wall. And you guys are going to so love our guest today. Her name is Carly, and she's just a little ball of sunshine. Carly is filled with joy, and she shares her story with really an inspirational message today. She's been through so much, and yet she still has such a, really a contagious joy in her smile and her love for the Lord. She lost a parent at a young age. She's been through some really, really hard times growing up, and she and her husband in their six years of being married have already gone through so many difficult things, some more than a lot of people experience in years and years of marriage. And they're on the other side, and they're really giving glory to God for how He's worked in their lives. Carly has recently graduated with her degree in counseling, and she's opened a practice here in Owasso, and she is turning all of this pain and trials into helping other people. So listen in to Carly Collins. Hi, Carly. Thanks so much for coming today. Hey, guys. <laughs> We're really happy to have you, and we just love you so much. I just, I'm excited to just spend an hour of time with you just to be together. Well, so. I'm really excited. I was so excited when you guys asked me to do it. Um, definitely feeling nervous because I've never done a podcast before, <laughs> but I felt um, really honored. So I'm excited. Well, we have, um, listeners, we have really done as much as we could to put Carly at ease. So we've had all kinds of fumbles <laughs> and bumbles before we got started tonight, just to make sure she knew she was in a comfortable place. Right. So Jill and I planned it all out just exactly the way that it happened. You right? guys are so wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> we all have issues, so that's what we were trying to show, and we did. Okay. So, okay, so why don't you go ahead and give us a little peek into your life? Okay. So, um, okay, like I said, I'm Carly Collins. I'm 26. I currently live in Collinsville, um, and I'm the wife to my awesome husband, Grant. He's actually currently the associate youth pastor at First Baptist Tulsa, which we, we love it there. Um, and we both graduated from Oklahoma Baptist University. And go, go Bison! I know! Woo, go with Carip! Um, I could, right now. Yes. Um, and we met our freshman year. We actually met the first night um, that OBU had their first dance. It was a Halloween oh, dance. Oh, fun. At the Armory? Um, I'm not sure. It was like at the, it was like at the GC. It was like the first oh. time they had it on campus. And um, it was a Halloween dance. <laughs> and I asked him and his friend to dress up with me and my friends as a s'more. <laughs> it was like the first <laughs> night I met him. And he was like, yes, yes, for sure. We're going to do that. And so it was just, he dressed up in a cardboard box with, you know, Sharpie drawn on that looked like a graham cracker. And I just knew if he can make a cardboard box look cute, he's <laughs> the one. So, so anyways, cute. He's, He's great. Um, and then I just recently um, graduated from Northeastern State University for with my mental health counseling degree and my master's. And so we are so excited for you. Yes. What a great accomplishment. Yes. Well done. Thank you, guys. It's been it's really been a long time dream of mine to be a counselor. And so um, just to finally walk across the stage and have my degree and to get to start doing the work that I do, it just mm -hmm. feels like God just has me in the right place. So mm -hmm. I'm feeling really blessed. So. I want to share something fun <laughs> background that I have known Carly's husband, Grant, since he was only five years old. And I was the children's music coordinator for a short time, a hot minute at Council Row Baptist Church. And this was many years ago. And I asked Grant to do a special little solo at our Christmas program. And I think that not a dry eye was in the place because he did such a beautiful oh. job singing this sweet little hymn, What Can I Give Him? Poor as I am, if I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a oh, wise man, so I would do my part. What can I give him? I, I will give, give him, him my heart. heart. I remember that. He was the cutest thing you've ever seen. So anyway, I have known Grant and his whole family for so long. And to get to see God put Carly and Grant together has been a real joy and pleasure and, and exciting thing. So that's a fun backstory for yes, you listeners. and his mom still has the video. Aww, <laughs> so I heard you talking so about it, and we cute. got to watch it, and I was like, okay, I can see why Robin like raves about this. It was Wasn't so he precious. precious. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, oh it's so cute. So, mm -hmm. um, 
But yeah, so I mean, we met, Grant went to Council Road, and so we've always been in church, and so it's so great to, you know, still be in ministry. We love what we do, get to, you know, pour in the lives of middle schoolers, and so I actually get to lead a Bible study on Wednesday nights in Owasso with middle school girls, and I just love doing it so much. Oh, that's great. So it's fun. Now, did you grow up in church? Okay, so I did not grow up in church. Um, I mean, I started going when I was around like 12 or 13. Um, But the funny thing is, is my sister was invited by somebody in middle school. And then she invited me. (laughs) And when she invited me, I, I still remember exactly what I said. I was like... I don't need to go to church until I'm old. That's what I said to her. Oh my. And I'm like, I can't believe that that's like, I don't know why I thought that way, but I really thought I don't need it until later on. And what got me back or got me to go to church were like cute boys in the youth group. So like whatever gets <laughs> whatever you there, works. right, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so it's really funny to look back on and where I'm at now being like a middle school pastor's wife. And I'm like, <laughs> that's so silly. But yeah, so I didn't grow up in church. Um, my family took me to church maybe a few times growing up, but that's when I started really going. So so what took you to OBU? Um, I mean, that's a really long backstory. I feel like I could go more into that like in okay. detail later on. We'll, we'll, we'll piggyback into okay. that. Okay, yeah, because yeah. I'm like, what got me there is like a huge, I mean, for lack of better words, like can of worms. So I'm like, <laughs> I think I have to kind of build up to explain that aspect. Okay. So. Would you like to just... Let's back up to your childhood and just tell us about that and just yeah. tell us about your life and how you see God's hand walking you through yeah. the journey of your life. Absolutely. So, um, like I said, I didn't grow up in church. So, um, and when I was five, like that's when um, my, my parents got a divorce. And so that really just established like that broken home dynamic, you know, where mm-hmm. it's, it's difficult when families go through divorce and trying to figure right. out moving forward. Um, Were you confused at that age? Oh, yeah. I mean, there, I mean, being five years old and like, this is what you know, and then all of a sudden it completely changes. Mm-hmm. And um, my parents, that they attributed their divorce to just them not working out, to a lot of arguments. And then my mom um, decided that she had a different like lifestyle she wanted to live that mm-hmm. just didn't fit in the marriage that she was in. And so, um, yeah, but as a five-year-old, like, you don't really comprehend that. You're like, what? Uh, that doesn't make sense. So, um, but ultimately, it kind of led my dad being Mr. Mom for us, <laughs> and he was pretty good at it. So, um, I got to grow up with a really great dad. He'd take us out on the lake. He even, like, learned how to cook macaroni and cheese and put hot dogs that look like octopuses like on it like he like (laughs) he went into details to like make sure that we um were taken care of it was you and your dad and your sister sister yep my sister and she's two years older than me so um yeah it was we were kind of like the three you know the dynamic you know threesome you know and it was just great um but what really um affected my life so I started going to church like I said when Mm -hmm. I was in middle school um but what really kind of shook my life and my faith and everything in between was when I was 15. And when I was 15, my dad suddenly passed away from a brain aneurysm. Mm -hmm. And it was, I mean, completely shocking. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it was like minutes before he had passed out because of that, like we were in the car like singing and like, you know, playing like air guitar and stuff like we always did. And so, um, but I will say that that was the season in my life where like I was the furthest from God that I could possibly be. And I mean, I'm sure, I know you guys have had so many stories that have been shared on this podcast, but like when hard times, people can lean into God, people can also turn away and Mm -hmm. run away from God Mm -hmm. too. Right. And that's exactly what I did. Do you mind if I ask, in that moment, did your dad pull over the car? And were you two just alone in the car when this happened? So that's a good question. So actually, so he drove home and we parked the car walked inside I went to my room was like I remember I was buying an audible audible book on um like Huckleberry Finn and then as that's happening he went to the bathroom and he passed out so we were actually so you were already home we were already home and it was like a minute like that he like he walked to the door and went wow. straight to the bathroom and so and then obviously there's reasons that when he passed out we had to call the right. ambulance and everything mm-hmm. so I bet you and your sister were so scared yeah, I mean, absolutely. And actually, at that time, it was just me. And then my sister oh. drove home and um, oh, found Carly. out about everything. Yeah, it was a really scary time. Um, but it really just felt like a whirlwind. Like, it didn't even feel real when it was happening. Mm-hmm. So, like, looking back on it, it 
still sometimes doesn't feel like it was so real. Like, I, I don't know. It just, just happened. So. Did they have things that they tried to do to help your dad revive, or was there nothing yeah. they could do? Yeah, so they um, took him into surgery, and it was like a kind of a 24 to 48-hour process. Um, but, yeah, it was just like playing the waiting game. But basically they pulled us aside, the whole family, and they, like, showed the brain scans, and they were like, like, this is a really severe case. Like, if you see this, like, spot in the scan, like, that's how much blood was, like, in his brain. Mm. And they were like, we can do surgery, but, like, there's really not a lot of hope in this particular situation and I remember just like I did not get any sleep it was just like Mm -hmm. you know I mean being I was 15 years old at that time um but the coolest thing though happened so like that next day I mean cool and compared to like a difficult time like that like my whole youth group at that time First Baptist Tulsa they came up and it was like leaders and like I mean about 15 of my really close friends were just sitting at the hospital with me wow that was awesome that they showed up for you (laughs) yeah yes and like and that's back where you are now right yes that's where I'm back at now yeah and that's like the same age that my husband's teaching now and everything so full circle it is it's full circle and I just think about how like that how much of that investment was in my life and like how now I get the opportunity to invest back in kids Mm -hmm. lives that are going through difficult times or just needing some mentorship so Mm -hmm. yeah so you were 15 so where did you go after that so I went I was living full-time with my mom after that um which wasn't the most stable situation um had you had much contact with her in all those years and I mean she not really, no. I mean, like, she was around. Like, she lived in the Tulsa area, but we would go there. Um, we'd try to go every other week, but there'd be times where things would happen that um, didn't make it work, and my dad would just come and take us. And mm-hmm. um, so we just didn't have the best relationship. So I basically went from not having this great relationship to living full-time. And I also recognized, too, with what my mom has had to deal with in the past and how difficult it is for her. It was an overload for her for not having the kids, like, full-time. And then all of a sudden, she has both of us full-time, and Mm -hmm. we just lost our dad. So it was just an overload for everybody. So it was a difficult situation to navigate. Yes. Yeah, so that's we lived full-time there. But, so if I can fast forward a little bit, is that okay? Yes, of course. Um, So, like, my sister went off to college a few years later, and um, in between that time, um, like I said, I was really angry, Mm -hmm. um, mad at God, and um, I actually ended up uh, starting to party. Um, Mm -hmm. I was hanging out with the wrong crowd, and I really attribute that to be that I just really didn't want to remember or I wanted to forget everything. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is my like way. Self-medicate. To- yes, yeah, right. absolutely. It was like, my reality is so uncomfortable. Whatever I can do to not, not be, be there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, um, but what really, and that was like for a few months. So when I say party, it was like, I mean, it was uh, partying for a while, but it was a few months that I really leaned into that as a coping mechanism. But then by the time summer came, my friends um, invited me to come back to church and it was coming to like youth choir trip, which I had not gone to any youth choir practices. So mm-hmm. I was like, I guess maybe I'll go. <laughs> so I didn't know any of the songs when mm-hmm. I went on the trip, but it was so good because then I went to False Creek and that's where I really dedicated my life to Christ. And like that week was one of the most transformative and like peaceful and, you know, just crazy weeks of my life where I really felt like God was a part of my life in no other way I'd ever experienced it before. Mm-hmm. Like in the middle of grief, like, God was the most there for me than I could ever feel. Hmm. And so it, it's just, it's even incredible to think back on. Um, Falls Creek is so special. I know. And God know. has spoken to so many, so many people. And I love that your story is one of them. That you look back and you say, God met me at Falls Creek. And I mm. know that he spoke to me. It's beautiful. Absolutely. And I remember at Falls Creek, like even that same time, I felt like God was tugging me to do like ministry. And like my Bible study leader at that time, she's like the most amazing. Her name's Kelly Stocks and she actually lives in this neighborhood. You know, she's wonderful. And she was like, oh, okay. Have you like really prayed about that? (laughs) She was like, and now she looks back on it. I teach Bible study at her house now. And she was just like, I doubted God. Like, you know, but it was just, you know, coming from where you just became a Christian and oh, and I'm going to go into ministry. Yeah. Right. That's a lot in one week. Absolutely. And I like, I told her, I said, I, that's totally understandable. I think about if I were in your shoes, I would say the same thing. Like, hmm, let's think about this for a second. Like pat you on the head. (laughs) That's nice, honey. Yes. Yeah. And then now I'm like teaching her daughter in like her middle. Like, it's just so crazy how God works. 
Um, but yeah, so like I really leaned into my faith. Um, I actually started going on mission trips. Is that I, when you were about 16 or 17? 16, 16 and 17. Yeah. So I like went to Mexico. I actually got to go to China, which was like wow. with the, um, BGCO. It was like, mm-hmm. they took a whole bunch of youth kids, um, in Oklahoma and we all went to China. And in case you're not sure what that is, listeners, that's the Baptist General Convention mm-hmm. of Oklahoma, the yes. BGCO. So your mission trip was through them. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, um, like even in China, I got to use that story of my dad and tell it to a girl and she ended up accepting Christ through that story and it just was like confirmation like this is what God has me to do as ministry it's like the things that like you know are meant for evil or meant for to hurt you Mm -hmm. it's like God can turn into good and to be able to be a part of that was one of the most joyful experiences of my life and so it's like something that's supposed to bring you so much grief can bring you so much joy it's just only God can do that Mm -hmm. so Um, but anyways, but then, um, life at home got more difficult. And, um, so I would go on all these mission trips, but then I would go home and it was just like, um, it was difficult. It was just a difficult home environment. So I ended up, um, God put it on my heart. He said, you know, it's time to find somewhere else to go. And I was like 17 at the time. So I'm like a junior in high school. Junior. No, I was a senior. I just started my senior year. Okay. And your sister was already moved out. My sister was in college. So it's, me at home. Just you and your mom? Yes. Yeah. And God like really put on my heart like this is, it's time for you to mm-hmm. go somewhere else. Um, I had a lot of um, pent up frustrations. I had never gone to counseling at that point, which you think about all the things I'd experienced. Oh. Right. Right. Like not a school counselor or anything. No, actually I had a really bad experience with a school counselor. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. And so, um, yeah. It, it, not as wonderful as Jill. McCormick. No, oh, no. I'm like, if I was, you know, 16 <laughs> and Jill was like helping me, I feel like those things would have been like a lot different. <laughs> um, no, definitely. Good shout out to Jill. <laughs> um, and so I ended up leaving and, um, God put it on my heart, um, like to ask different, uh, people in the church who would be willing to take me in. Ended up like three to four families ended up offering for me wow. to live with them. Wow. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just like incredible how God was like, take this leap of faith. Like I remember specifically this song came on the radio where it was like, um, when the waters rise, like I will follow you. Like when I feel overwhelmed, like I will trust in you. Mm. And um, ended up my um, Bible study leaders at that time, um, Mark and Catherine, had me come live with them. And if you, a lot of you know who I am, you know that Mark and Catherine are a huge part of my life. And they have been for the last like almost nine years now. And they're like my family now. And mm-hmm. so um, God has did a lot of, like, they made me go to counseling and God did a lot of redemptive work through that, even through my relationship with my mom because of how they invested in my life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sure. What a great example of people that saw, here's this sweet teenage girl and God told them, God spoke to their hearts, open up your home, yeah. open up your home, open up your lives. And they did. Yes. And what a difference it made for you. Yes. I mean, I wonder if anyone listening to this today, if you've had something on your mind that God's been hmm. whispering, that you've been wondering, hmm. is that really you, God? And maybe it's the Holy Spirit prompting you to do something, to step out, to to walk through the door that he's telling you to do. And, and I'm so glad that Mark and Catherine did Yeah. at that time for you. Oh, and like, I need to emphasize to the listeners, like their age at that time. So they were in their mid-20s to late-20s when they oh, offered their home wow. up. And they had just bought their home two months before they offered for me to live in, in their wow. very first home. And so how they, long have they even been married? Um, it had been like two years, I think. So they didn't have any kids of their own or anything No, yet. no. But they were like, we have an open room. And the people we bought the house from gave us an extra bed. And like God was like you need to open up your home. I remember when they like present, they presented me to live with them on index cards and they were like different (laughs) reasons why you should live with us. Catherine was like, you're the same size of clothing as me. So we can share clothing. (laughs) We have an extra bed. Um, we have really awesome dogs and like, they just said all these things. And I remember that time being so overwhelming. And so, I'm so scary. And just like, there was just such a light and joy. And so like, Mm -hmm. I love that you're encouraging listeners. Like it's, you know, should I offer my home? Should I take that leap of faith? And like Mark and Catherine are such a good example of do it, you know? And I love when they say this, um, they always say like, I'm like, I'm so thankful that you guys did that for me. My life is dramatically different Mm -hmm. because you did. And they're like, well, we feel the same way. 
And so like, it's just so, I'm going to get teary just thinking about it. The feeling's mutual. So yeah, it's truly family can be who you're born into. And it also can be who your heart adopts. It's just so real. That's your family. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And like even like (laughs) their parents and their siblings, like they make me their family and they don't doubt it for a second. Right. Christmases, things like that's just who my family is. So it's in Grant is a part of it too. Well, absolutely. (laughs) Right. So, um, yeah, that's that big part of that story. Um, but yeah, I don't know where you want me to go next. So then senior year, so you're living with this other family and then you're starting to think about college. Yes. Okay. That's why when you asked, like, what led you to OBU? I was like, well, that's actually like a really big can of worms. Um, so Catherine went to OBU and Catherine was like, I was actually like, I think I should go to OSU. And Catherine was like, I don't know, being a bison's really great. (laughs) So um, ended up, she really encouraged me. And so I ended up taking that leap of faith and going to OBU. Um, I went as a nursing major. Two weeks in, I realized I didn't like blood. So (laughs) (laughs) that might be a problem. That might be a problem, yeah. So (laughs) I needed a great school counselor like Jill, but (laughs) that didn't happen. (laughs) Um, And so I ended up becoming a Bible major because I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know the stories from you know you know you learn Old Testament and yeah yeah. it's like you learn in Sunday school Mm -hmm. and so I just jumped in I mean to the point where like we're learning Greek you know and I don't even know the like Sunday school stories and I'm like I'm going for it and so I ended up being a Bible major and I I, me and Grant met freshman year and it was just such a great experience I made like lifelong friends there so Mm -hmm. yeah go bison (laughs) (laughs) so um do you how long did you and Grant date um okay so (laughs) I'm going to be careful on how I tell this story because Grant really liked me very strongly at the beginning and it made me feel a little um, put off because like, whoa, he really likes me. <laughs> so, um, Were you kind of saying, whoa, yes, hang on a yes. second? Because like I had, I dated several guys in high school. So I was like, you know, dated and he didn't date girls. And so he knew what he liked when he, he met me. And so he was like, I just knew like I wanted you to be my wife. And he's like, and I knew it so strongly from the beginning that I kind of freaked you out. I was like, yep, you definitely did. <laughs> so I actually ended up telling him, I said, hey, um, I think we just need to take a break because I just don't know how I feel about this. And so we ended up not actually officially dating until like 10 months later. And so then after that, we dated for like a year and then he proposed and um, it was a great decision. He he grew on me and we made, we became free, <laughs> became friends. And oh, like, yes. that's like really important. And we, um, volunteered at a refugee ministry in Oklahoma City and that's when I really got to see his heart and see how much he like loves you know people and you know loves God and I was like that's what I wanted to be like that's who I want to be with Mm -hmm. and so anyways that's Mm -hmm. when we started dating so were you still in college at OB when you got married yes actually yes we were in married housing which was like a 600 square foot apartment maybe I'm exaggerating but Maybe they not. are pretty tiny. They are. I've seen them. <laughs> We're yeah. like, you know, trying to shuffle around each other. I'm like, okay, hold on. Let me get my things out of the drawer. Okay, now you can go by. It's like, it was just such a tight squeeze, but it was such a good experience to, you know, really grow together. Um, but I mean, that kind of leads into another part of my mm-hmm. story, um, which is one that, yes. you know, eventually I, I hear um, you say, yes, it's like Robin really walked me through this journey at some point, but it wasn't at that time at married housing. Um, but about a few months after we got married, um, my grant, he, um, had chronic pain. Like it just started mm-hmm. happening and it wasn't as frequent, but it basically made him to where he was like bed bound. Like he would scream in pain and we found out it was like sciatic nerve pain. Like, and it was, oh. yeah, it was happening. And, um, as a newlywed few months married, I'm like, what do I do? I'm like a caregiver now. And I didn't know what to do. Um, but we just kind of let it when he'd have an episode, we just let it kind of ride by thought, okay, maybe this is just going to happen every once in a while. Um, but then when Grant went on staff at First Baptist Owasso, which we didn't even say yet, but he was on staff for several years at First Baptist Church Owasso where we attend. That's another sweet part of our story. And it was, his pain was getting worse, wasn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, it was so difficult because he was like a children's pastor. He's so passionate. Mm -hmm. And like with children's ministry, you're jumping. You're all over the place. Yes. Yes. For good reasons. Right. And so, um, but anyways, he um, would just start having these episodes and they started becoming long, like longer duration and more frequent. 
And um, man, like that was a really hard time because not only being like a newlywed and figuring each other out, but also to like having, you know, it's kind of what someone said to me was like, it's like your difficulty setting so much higher because most couples experience this later on in life mm-hmm. and you're experiencing it, you at know, the beginning. at the beginning. Yeah. And, um, and the Lord really like tested my patience so much because it was just such a hard time. And I remember Robin, you invited me to go like take walks around like the park. We and had some sweet walks. We, we did. did. And I just remember like your support, you know, just I think one of the most important things that you can do for people is just listen, you know, mm-hmm. in that situation, mm-hmm. like no one could fix it. Yeah. We were getting MRIs done. We were getting tests done. And each doctor was saying like, no, I don't know what this is. I mean, we went to a rheumatologist, basically looked at me and Grant was like, I don't know why you're here. So your MRIs don't show anything. And we're like, we're here because he's in pain. Yeah. And so, um, with Robin, just listening to that right. and saying like, I just don't know what to do. I just feel exhausted. Um, it meant the world. And so mm. you have She's a good, a good listener. She is a good listener. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so we had some sweet talks. Well, it's a privilege to just listen to you and, and to encourage you, but just, uh, you know, nobody knew what to say or how to fix it or no. great advice that would just make it all better. And there are times that it's a time when you think, Lord, are you listening? Yeah. Are you there? <laughs> Because it sure seems like you're not. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm really needing your help. And you could fix this. And so why aren't you? Those absolutely. are real, honest, painful questions. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of yes. where you were. Yes. Right? Like, it makes me think of like the Psalms, like where David's lamenting. The lament, yes. And like he was so, he said some like really serious, like heartfelt stuff. Right. And it was straight to God. And it's like, that's what I was feeling. It's like, God, are you listening to me? But if I was so encouraged that like David in the Bible mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. even do that. Like mm-hmm. he felt like it's like the more that we accept that we feel that way and then actually voice it, the more like God can really speak through it and work through it when you actually acknowledge that it's happening. Well, we all have those times where we feel like, I don't know where you are, God. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what to do. And to look in the Bible and see that somebody else had gone through that exact same yeah. feeling and wrote about it is just encouraging. Absolutely. And to validate that we can be honest with God and we don't have to pretend, well, everything's great and I'm just going to keep on trucking no matter how bad I feel inside, but to admit it and say, God, I don't feel okay and I need your help and this is really hard. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Like just being honest. I feel like that's something I really just like, you kind of talked about like different prompts or different questions we can answer. It's like, one of the ones that you said was, well, how's your perspective changed? Like, that's the biggest thing that has changed my perspective is just like being honest with how you feel. Because like the more I try to act like I'm not feeling that or I'm not anxious right now or I'm not feeling down, the more that I like actually it makes the feeling worse. Mm-hmm. And like now it's like, oh yeah, like I am feeling that way. Yeah. And a lot of times if you are feeling those ways and you try to pretend like you're not, that's when self-medication comes in. Yes. So if you don't deal with those problems, then you do start doing something to soothe it. Absolutely. And like, to me, it's like whenever I start to like, what I started to learn was like soothing it was through like prayer, Mm -hmm. you know, like going to God. And so, and that actually kind of goes into the next part of that story was that, um, so, I mean, it was happening more frequently, his episodes and ended up, my mother-in-law came up and was like, we got to get this figured out. You know, we've got to, you know, you know, get these plans on like getting tests done and different doctors and during that time, um, someone really encouraged me to start a prayer closet. And so I ended up starting a prayer closet and I would stick up, like stick, put up sticky notes of like different prayers. And obviously my biggest one was my husband's health. Like, mm-hmm. God, please just move through this. And like, and it actually got to the point where I was like, okay, if you're not going to change it, then like change me, like change my heart in this, like help me get through this. And then like about a week or so after, or actually two weeks after my mother-in-law came and was like adamant, like we're going to get answers. We finally got answers. So how did you finally figure out what it was? So, um, she got to this one doctor who's in Owasso, um, who was like the primary care and he started referring out to different people and he was like, and I want you to get another MRI done, but we're going to move the MRI down like to a different part of the body. Cause they weren't getting to like his hips where mm-hmm. a lot of the pain was localized. Like they got some of it, but not all of it. So anyways, they got the MRI done and then got it back to the, the primary care physician. And um, he found out that it's actually an autoimmune disease. So what oh, it was autoimmune? It was autoimmune disease. Yes. It's called, <laughs> it's a really funny name. People say it sounds like a dinosaur, which we've <laughs> talked about in the past. It's ankylosing spondylitis. 
And so basically what happens is, is that his joints, instead of like just joints being inflamed, like it turns into bone. So like your whole back would turn into like one big solid bone. Oh, wow. No and wonder so, he was in so much pain and absolutely. trying to do children's camp and going up and down those hills. And he was just hurting so much. Yes, absolutely. And so then the doctor referred us to a rheumatologist. He put him on Humira, which is, you know, a mm -hmm. good medicine. And he's been able to like walk, jump, dance, everything since. Like wow. it's incredible. A miracle story. <laughs> yes. It's like huge, like a huge like a true miracle. Like it's a huge blessing. And I just think about how like just a few weeks prior, I was like started that prayer closet and like I had finally relinquished that control mm -hmm. of like, God changed this. It was like, God just changed me, you know? Yeah. Like, and I love that song. Um, I forget the singer, but it's like, instead, like instead of wanting the healing, let me want the healer instead, mm -hmm. you know? And so like focusing on that. And like, I feel like that was a true time of like just genuine, you know, talks with God about, okay, if my husband's not going to, feel better than you know but then in hindsight looking back yeah. it's incredible because so he actually didn't have any um permanent damage on his um back because he caught it so early so this medication helps his back not become inflamed and so if That's his sciatic, yes if his sciatic nerve pain actually wouldn't have happened then he would have had permanent damage Yes. Wow. So what would they have had to do at that point? Do you There's know? nothing they There's can nothing. do. There's nothing. So basically the sciatic nerve pain that I completely resented was God's blessing in disguise. If he hadn't had the pain, they wouldn't have found the They answers. wouldn't have found it. I'm oh. going to start getting tear up. But I think it's important too yeah. to recognize wow. that if, there, if you are having a pain like that or something and doctors keep saying, there's nothing, there's nothing, you just have to keep going and yes. going until you find it. Because the pain is from something. Absolutely. So you have to, you have to keep figuring just keep going. Be your own advocate. Yeah. And like even like being on my side of the things like uh, of the situation, caregiver fatigue is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Like not only right. advocate for your loved one, but take care of yourself because it's an exhausting process. And like you're going to need your own counseling because like mm -hmm. when someone's in pain, that's like excruciating nine, 10 pain all the time. That's going to wear on you. Right. And so, right. yeah, be an advocate for your loved one, but also be an advocate for yourself. And at yeah. the most painful times, wasn't it a condition where Grant really could not do anything? You oh. were bringing him every food yep. and drink, taking care of him mm -hmm. as he moved any from the couch to any position or whatever you were carrying and helping. Yes. Like, I remember having to call, like, um, different people in our neighborhood saying, like, can you please help carry him with me because I can't carry him. Oh. He's just, like, I, I'm trying. And Carly's tiny. <laughs> she is. And it got exhausting, right? <laughs> it's a good point for the listeners that, like, I just could not carry my husband anymore as much as I tried. And so it's, like, even, like, helping him. Like, I remember there was a moment he got in the shower, and it was, like, the like he's just such a positive person. Mm -hmm. And he was just, like, we're going to get through this. Like, God's going to bring answers. And he, like, broke down in the shower, and he was just, like, I just, there's no answers and like, I'm so frustrated. And so to see that with him, I was just like, that's so disappointing, but it was so honest too. And I'm mm -hmm. glad I got to like comfort him in that moment, but it got exhausting to even get to the shower. We had to have a shower chair, like all those things. Yeah. And like to even think he doesn't need any of that anymore because of this wow. medication. Well, and I think it's important too, as the caregiver to recognize that if you know somebody that's being a caregiver for some, for somebody that's hurting, surround them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and then um, it kind of goes a little bit into my story too, but, um, you know, being a counselor, I, the last 15 months or 14 to 15 months of my experience has been at Cancer Treatment Centers of mm -hmm. America. So I've been counseling, you know, people going through, you know, grief and treatment, and I've been counseling, you know, caregivers. And so it's just so true. Like you just have to really be an advocate, but also process through it. Mm -hmm. And so I've really enjoyed, you know, taking my experience and really relating. Like when I've been able to tell patients, like, I knew what it like what what it was like to be a caregiver for someone in pain. They were like, "It just feels great to be heard, and you know mm -hmm. that I'm not the only one that's been through this." So, right. and would you spend some time talking with us about the the passion God has put on your heart for counseling, and how He also yes. just gave you this dream, which is a reality as of today. Yes. <laughs> and please just tell us all about that and yes. and share that story with us. Yes, um, I being a counselor has been on my heart since I was like 16. So the reason I actually was a nursing major in college is because I had a family member say like, you don't want to listen to people's problems. Why would you be a counselor? And I was like, 
but I actually do like listening to people's problems. <laughs> so I really doubted it. And I became a nursing major and then did, you know, Bible. But halfway through um, college, I would have girls knocking on my dorm, like mm-hmm. dorm room door and be like, can I talk like to you? And like, God was just like putting it on my heart. Like you need to be a counselor. And my passion for people, I mean, I just have a passion for people and just listening and being there in the hardest moments, but also the most joyful moments too, whenever they get to work through things. Um, so anyways, I went from OBU then to my master's and I, I mean, I worked my tail off mm. through my master's and I graduated in December and I'm just so excited because I was working at CTCA and then just as of recently, I switched from CTCA to Owasso Behavioral Health. So it's like an... Um, Congratulations! <laughs> it's a clinic in the area and I'll be working with kids and um, adjustments, uh, disorders and, you know, depression, those things. But I'm so excited. I get to finally like expand my horizons and do work like that. So. And it's pretty cool also that there's a connection with one of your coworkers yes. who is actually <laughs> a, someone we interviewed on Afraid Not a yes. few episodes ago, Krista yes. Quigley. Krista Quigley. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love seeing so that. So you can go back and listen to that episode after Absolutely. this. Yes, yes, go listen. But it also just says to you, like, counselors go through their own things. But, you know, mm-hmm. a good counselor can use that to, you know, be even right. even better. You yeah. Know. Everybody has a story, even counselors. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm like, maybe some one of my clients here that's like, man, she's been through a lot, you know. <laughs> it's like, I do use that, though. It's like my story does have a lot of grief in it. But I feel like there's something so powerful when you lean into your grief that we talked about mm-hmm. and just being honest about it and being honest with God. Like, I feel like that's one of the healthiest places to be when you're grieving. So mm-hmm. I'm glad I get to encourage my clients to do the same. And I love seeing in you such a pure heart. Mm. I I love it. I know that it's God's work in you mm. because it would be so understandable if you were bitter, mm-hmm. if you were an angry person, if you were just refusing to see the joy in life because you had been so sad. But instead... God has taken you through these times of suffering and truly mm-hmm. you just radiate with joy. You yes. truly radiate with joy and that's Jesus coming through and it's just a work of God that we see right in front of us. So it's like so encouraging to you to even hear it's you know when other people other believers can like speak into your life and it right. encourages you yeah. like those words mean so much because like it also is like what's again like what I was saying like something that was meant for like evil or something that's meant for bad like when it turns into this beautiful story it's just like it's so encouraging that I get to be a part of that like God gets to use me mm-hmm. to use my story and like well and you've yeah. allowed him to because all yeah. of these things that have happened you you're able to use it with your with your clients with yes. people at your church and you're allowing him to do that absolutely yeah no that's so true and I just feel so privileged. Like, that's the word I use all the time about counseling. Like, I feel privileged because that person trusts me in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, and I get to earn that trust. Yeah. And um, I just feel, like, honored. I'm like, God, you chose me to do this? Like, that I get to smile, like, every day because I feel like I'm, like, pursuing my passion. And so, yeah, like, I'm so glad that, you know, God changed my life and I'm able to allow him to do that in that way. So. It's so great. Well, are there any other things about your story that you wanted to share with us today or any um, things that God has used, any specific scriptures that have been life-changing and helpful for you? Um, Yeah, um, there's a few things. I think like I was talking about um, with you just being such a good listener, and I know Jill's Mm -hmm. a great listener Mm -hmm. too. I feel like one of the biggest things that really sticks out to me as far as um, being helpful during times, because there's a lot of people when someone's grieving, they're like, I don't really know how to handle that. Like right. my story, sometimes if I tell people, they're like, whoa, that's a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I always want to encourage people, like there's a difference between empathy versus sympathy, you know? Right. Um, there's a, actually like a TED talk on that. And it's, you know, sympathy is like, oh, so sorry. Like I'm uncomfortable. I think you'll be fine praying for you and like walking off. And it's like, you know, you don't have to have the right words to say to be empathetic. All you can say is, I don't know what to say. Yeah. But I do know that I've been through a hard time myself, and I knew what that felt like. Yeah. And so, yeah. And there's many times, like, in my <laughs> office that I'm like, I, I can't fix it, and I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And it, but, and I'm sorry that happened. And a lot of times, some, some people just want to hear, that shouldn't have happened, and I'm sorry that it happened yeah. to you. Because right. there's no way to fix it. Absolutely. Just like even that affirmation. Yeah. Of, you're right. That, that was a hard thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And so like you've even gotten to see it yourself. Mm -hmm. And like, I just always want to encourage people like you don't have to be a counselor to be a good listener. Right. And that those are some really good ways to do that. And so with my story, I always just want to highlight that point because I know what it felt like when I was a teenager and someone asked me and I'm like, oh yeah, my dad just passed away. And they're like, oh, like this is so uncomfortable. You know, it's like, it doesn't have to be uncomfortable. They didn't know how to respond to such a big loss. Absolutely. Which it is devastating. Mm -hmm. I can understand feeling that way, but if we can equip people to know what to say moving forward, then it can really help people going through similar experiences. Right. So, Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that you worked hard and didn't give up, even though it was a long (laughs) haul, to get through the whole process of getting your master's and and actually going through the entire thing to be on the other side of it now and practicing and getting to actually work with clients. It's really cool. And I think that maybe whoever's out here listening today, if you're thinking, I, I just don't know, all of those yeah. things that are so hard in life, could I really do it? Just want to encourage you today, just from Carly's example, to, to just go after the dreams that God has put in your heart. Yeah. Go after them. And that he's going to walk you through. Yeah. And if I could add on to that encouragement, yes. if that's okay. Yes. Is that, you know, Um, I feel like I shared a lot of the highlights of my story, but there were some really ugly moments. And like, you know, when you go through that, it's like staying encouraged, keep moving forward. But just because if you have a really hard moment or a moment where you don't act the way you want to act, you know, because that's a lot to process. Right. I think I look back and I'm like, ooh, I hated that I ever did that, you know. But that's okay. Just keep pushing forward. Like um, God can help you be resilient through those things and pursue those dreams. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't say like, you know, I hear that you're like, there's so much joy, which there is, but there have been moments where I have not been joyful. So do you want to talk about that when things got messy and frayed? And absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think about, so one of my favorite quotes, um, it's from a book. It's called Sacred Marriage, and it's about um, your basically your spouse is like a full length mirror in front of you, and it's like it has like almost comes with a card, and it says, "Here's to something that's gonna like point out all your flaws in you." You know what I mean? Like, it's like so true. And so I feel like I had a lot of those ugly moments, but I wasn't really mindful of them until I um, until I got married. Mm-hmm. Like that's when. Um, I, one of the biggest things that I struggled with was anxiety. Like I, and I'm, and it's so funny. I say that and people are like a counselor with anxiety, you know, <laughs> it's like, yes, but I've learned how to manage it. You know, and there's moments that still comes up, but, um, the moments I got really frayed for me, it's like when my husband was a huge mirror in front of me and I was mm-hmm. like, Ooh, I don't like that. That feels ugly to me and I don't want to be that way. And mm-hmm. so thankfully I have a very patient husband who helped me, you know, you know, work through that and become more like what I want to be. Um, and more like Jesus, but anyways, yeah, anxiety was something I really, those were my frayed moments. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you may be wanting to pursue those dreams and you encourage them to do that, but it's okay that you're going to have those moments. And again, being honest with God about them. So So when you do get anxious and Mm -hmm. you have those moments, what do you do to get out of it? Absolutely. That's such a good question. Um, so I, First off, I'm like actually mindful of it now. I used mm-hmm. to before just like act out out of my emotions. Like, like I'm feeling worried, but I didn't even re- really even recognize I felt worried. I just responded to how I was wanted to respond at that time. And so something that really helps me to kind of is to take a step back and say, oh, like that happened and I am feeling anxious about this right now. And it's kind of really, um, I use this term, you know, lightly it means like accepting it you know Mm because I know the bible says like don't worry you know about tomorrow don't be anxious for anything um but also too I know that like I I am feeling this right now and I do need to acknowledge it because if I don't again like what we talked about it makes it worse and I was really to be honest the last few weeks as I'm starting my counseling practice have been bringing on some anxiety if any listeners out there have started a business you can relate (laughs) um (laughs) And um, I was actually teaching on Jesus walking on water last week to my Bible study girls. And I was just like, oh, this is so convicting. You know, that, you know, Peter, when he got out on the water, he walked towards Jesus and then he started doubting and he started, you know, falling, you know. But then Jesus lifted his hand and like picked him right back up. And like that was encouraging to me because I was, I was feeling so anxious about like this business endeavor. And I was like, 
God has opened this door. God wanted me to walk out in faith. Right. And like, and I think at least Peter even got out of the boat and walked in the first place. That's why I love that story. Because I think we look, we look at that story and we go, God, oh, Peter, you right. just have faith. He's the only one that got out of the boat. Right. <laughs> no one in the else first did. place. So, yeah. Right. He took the step. And it's like, and even too, like what really sticks out to me as well is like, Jesus is like performing a miraculous thing. Like he, it's a storm. He is walking like it's no issue, and yet he is still focused on Peter's need in that moment. Mm. And I'm like, so with anxiety, it's like I, I do have those moments of doubt when I'm not supposed to, but what really helps me get out of it is acknowledging that, yes, I am like falling, like doubting like mm-hmm. Peter was in that moment, yeah. but if I just look right up, like Jesus has his, his, like his hand extended right there to like pick me right back up, even as miraculous as he is, and he knows every person's heart, like he knows mine, and he's willing to do that for me. So those mm-hmm. are the times when I get, when my knots, when it gets frayed, mm-hmm. it's reminding myself, just look up, you know, like God, God is there, you know. So. Yeah. I think I needed to hear that I tonight. I certainly <laughs> needed to hear that Okay, tonight. so thank you, Carly, because I really, really needed that. Oh, man. I will look up tonight. <laughs> Absolutely. Jesus, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's convicting, especially when you're teaching on it and you haven't been looking up. And you're like, okay, girls, let's learn how to look up to Jesus. I'm not a good example of this right now. <laughs> you know. So I felt the same exact way last week. So, anyways. What are some things that you feel like God's done in your marriage through all of the adversity. I mean, you and Grant, in a short few years, have already had some incredibly difficult things that some marriages don't encounter for years. Absolutely. And there you are, you've already gone through them and you're on the other side, which is kind of amazing. But what yes. are some of your lessons you've learned? Some of our lessons. Um, I, I, we actually ended up not being too prideful to go to marriage counseling. That's a huge lesson. I'm just going to say that from yeah. the from the get go. So smart because um, we. I mean, he was having that chronic pain. Like mm-hmm. he couldn't even like talk. He couldn't even communicate because I mean, imagine just like I would say it's like chronic pain's like this monkey on your back and it's just like waving its hands and you can't focus on anything else. And then I'm asking him questions about how his day was and he's like. I can't even like function right now. So go to marriage counseling because they gave us tools on how to communicate. He was able to say, I'm in nine, ten, like nine out of 10 pain right now. That's why I'm not talking. It's not mm-hmm. because of, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to you. So um, some things that have really helped us is like being honest with our ugly spots, you know, our ugly right. parts of ourselves, but really listening to each other. Um, our counselor made us do some active listening exercises where he would say something, I'd reflect back what I heard, and then it would be my turn to respond and vice versa. And we still use those active listening techniques today. And in really difficult moments where we're really frustrated with each other, or even really joyful moments where I really want him to listen to what's going on in my life, like that is such a good tool to learn because one of the best things for our marriage was to validate each other and just know like if anyone's going to go through the highs and lows, I want to go through all of them with you. Mm-hmm. And I, if I don't go through them with you, if I'm ignoring you, it's like I have to have that relationship. Right. And so ultimately, it's like there's no like, you know, prescription on this is what you do when you go through hard times in marriage. It's really unique to the couple because each couple has their strengths and weaknesses. But when you can really listen to each other, um, it helps you lean on each other so much more. So that was the biggest, I can say the biggest lesson. And I can say because of the trials we've been through, like our, I'm just so joyful in my marriage today. And I, I mean, That's I'm looking awesome. back, I'm like, I never thought I'd be at this point, you know, <laughs> because there were some really hard moments yeah. in that. But just like to feel like he knows me, like he just knows like all my, like what makes me happy. And he really listens. Like I, I just, I'm so thankful for how God used those trials to then refine our marriage in that way. Mm-hmm. That's really, That's really awesome. Good. So do you have any last things you want to say to our listeners or any resources you have? Uh, Podcasts or sermons or books? I think the one that I was talking about with the empathy versus sympathy one, which is a TED Talk, it's not necessarily, um, it's a really great perspective of how, you know, God has created us in community on how to listen, um, but it's not a, a necessarily a Christian author, but it's... Um, a good TED Talk, and it's by Brene Brown. I was going to ask you, is the Brene Brown one? Yes, yes, cool. uh, yes. It's so good. It is so a good one. I've listened it's, to that. Yes, and yes. I actually make my clients listen to it, especially those that are going through chronic pain or difficult grief. I sent that to my daughter. You it's did? It's a good one. It is so good um, because it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. So I 
I, listeners, go watch it. It's like three minutes long. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to think. Um, well, I, that one thing that I wanted, to, the sacred marriage, which was talking about like your spouse being like a full-length mirror. Mm-hmm. It is. And it helps you to, you know, if your spouse is going to point out all your flaws, how do you work through it? You right. Because it's not comfortable when you live with somebody for them to point out. I mean, like, you're right. They are like a full-length mirror and you're like, I don't like that. <laughs> Ew, and yeah. you can either like respond ugly to them with it or you can take it and do something with it. Absolutely. It's like, can you make it's that very to- humbling? Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Are you going to use that to be better or are you just going to be upset about it? Right. Mm-hmm. So no, I'm so glad that like you can relate and understand. Um, I think another book that I did not talk about in here in, um, when we were talking, um, is, is it called boundaries? Um, it's oh a yeah, book. that's yes. a great book. Absolutely. Um, cause there were some times with like certain family members that I felt, you know, I almost felt guilty because I had some like lack of communication for a while. But, um, after reading that book, it was really empowering cause it's that, um, it's okay to set healthy boundaries because if I wouldn't have set those back then, I wouldn't be where I was at now. Mm-hmm. And right. so, and then during this journey, I've been able to reconcile those relationships. And so like, that is such a good book for listeners. Cause I have so many clients who just feel so guilty when, mm-hmm. you know, they have, at a really like a toxic relationship in their life and they feel like they're just giving, giving, giving and nothing's in return. It's like, it's okay to set those boundaries. Right. And who knows what can happen when you do. And so I definitely recommend that book. We'll make sure to link these books yes. and the um, TED Talk and things like that on our show notes for listeners if you want to check that out and make sure you can find these resources that Carly's mentioned. Yep. Those are my last ones, yeah. Well, thanks again for coming. We're so excited. Yes. It's just like a sunshiny joy to have you here. (laughs) She is. Carly's a sunshiny joy. Thank you just for sharing and for being willing to open up with some of the not easy stuff to talk about. And you just um, brought your story and hopefully someone out here today is listening and that you're encouraged and hearing how Carly has trusted the Lord through the ups and the downs and how God is walking with her right now and things are at a time when she can say, wow, look what God has done. <laughs> so. Absolutely. And well. if you're in Owasso and you're needing behavioral health, hey, <laughs> just give me a call. Thank you guys so much for um, asking me to be on the podcast. It's really just such a privilege and an honor. So. Thanks, Carly. Okay, how much did you love Carly? She's so adorable. And when you see her picture on the social media, you're just going to think she's the cutest thing ever. And she's so genuine. We just love her so much. Thank you so much to Carly for sharing her story with us and for being brave and bold to tell us these things about her journey. Something that I feel after spending some time with Carly is that she's a great example of a Bible verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. And that verse says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I feel like Carly has given us a beautiful example of living that out today. Um, we'd also like to thank Jennifer Andrews for being our producer today. Thanks, Jennifer. And again, the music was written by Sean McCormick and performed by Aiden McCormick and Eric Wall. Also, don't forget to go and rate and review on iTunes um, this, this podcast. That helps us to other listeners to be able to find us. So five-star ratings would be great yes please please and be listening may 10th for our episode that we'll be releasing with jennifer jewel our dear friend and the podcast host of the messy table everybody have a great day bye